0: The audio that you're listening to is recorded for Newfound Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for Newfound Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listened to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sunday School Lesson, Lesson number 7 in the Winter Quarter, Blessing of Intercession. This week's lesson is being taught from the 4th chapter of Hebrews, starting at the 14th verse and going through the 5th chapter and the 10th verse. Thanks again for stopping by and listening. Be sure to share what you have heard here today with someone, somewhere. Our lesson last week, we saw that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. We saw that we have a mediator. That's what an advocate is. An advocate is one who stands up and speaks on behalf of another. So we have an advocate, we have a mediator in Jesus Christ. We will see here in our lesson this week that uh, we are going to expound on that learning of having that advocate, of having that mediator in Jesus Christ. In doing this, we'll see that we have a great high priest. We have an intercessor, again, one who goes between, one who, again, stands between us and the Lord. And in and, and doing so, what we find ourselves doing in our prayer life, when we communicate with the Lord, we will find here in our lesson today that Jesus serves in the role of where we go to him with our offering, with our prayer, and then Jesus, he takes that prayer to the Lord. He is our mediator. He, we speak to him. And then Jesus speaks to the Lord on our behalf. He speaks up. He stands for us. Okay. Before the Lord. Well, so we'll see here in the 14th verse of our lesson for today, where scripture says the writer of Hebrews says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So our confession is the confession of faith. And our confession is not one that is just a verbal confession. You know, many people, I did this myself uh, when I joined church, you know, you speak up, you say, you say something about believing in the Lord. The preacher would ask, do you believe? And you would say you believe. That's a verbal confession, but the confession that is most important is the confession that comes from within the confession that comes from the soul, the confession that, that comes from the heart. We confess through our heart, whether or not we genuinely believe in the Lord. And the writer of Hebrews is saying here that we should hold fast that confession. The writer of Hebrews here says that we have a high priest. And not only does the writer of Hebrews name specifically who the high priest is, but we'll see that the writer refers to what we learned in the month of December, that Jesus came from eternity, right? And, and and Jesus lived in this world. He died, but he was risen again. And he ascended back up to heaven to where he now sits at the right hand of God. So Jesus, the, the writer of Hebrews was doing here, was differentiating between Jesus as our great high priest and a man someone serving in the role of high priest who is born of the world the the high priest that we have was not born of this world the high priest that we have is of god god's only begotten son okay so we have a great high priest in jesus and for us to fully understand the role in which jesus serves today as our high priest we must understand the role of the priest, we must understand the role of the high priest. And I believe that we should be familiar with that because we have actually discussed uh, the role of the priest and the high priest in in recent Sunday school lessons going just back to the fall quarter to where we discussed the role of the high priest on uh, the day of atonement, right? And and we talked about uh, the role of the priest, what the role of the priest, what they serve, what they do, uh, when they served in the tabernacle and when they served in the temple. But if you do not recall that in our lesson for this week, we, we actually jump over to the fifth chapter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip the 15th and, and the 16th verse for a moment. And I want to jump to the fifth chapter and I want to look at the first, I want to look at the second, and I want to look at the the third verse uh, as well, because we we get the role that the priest serves. We get the qualifications for, for the priesthood as well. And I'll take that fourth verse as well, because that, that joins in as well. So let's take the first through the fourth verse from the fifth chapter of Hebrews here for a moment so that we can understand the role of the priest so that we can understand the role of the high priest so that we can have a better idea for the role in which Jesus is serving today so we're told here in the first verse of the fifth chapter, it says for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. So the role of a high priest is one in which they serve too, right? They serve men, they serve people, and they are serving pertaining to God. They serve the Lord as well. Okay. So let us understand that that's what the the priestly role is. The the priests they serve on behalf of the people to the Lord. So they're serving both the people and they're serving God as well. Not only do the priests participate in that service, but the high priest participates in that service as well. We're told again there in that first verse, the fifth chapter, it says, "For every high priest taken from among men." So we understand that this is the role of of. Of priests who are of the world, priests who were born from the womb, right, of the flesh, is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. It's a service that is again for the Lord, that is again on behalf of the people. The priest, the high priest, says there in that first verse that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So, Something that we saw in our Sunday school lessons in, in the fall quarter that, that we discussed is that the priests what they would do is they would take the offering that was brought to them from an individual, okay, from, from someone who's of a household, would bring an offering to them. And what they would do with that offering is they would then, the priests would then turn around and they would offer it up to the Lord. They would sacrifice it. They would offer it up to the Lord. So the people... They didn't kill an animal. The people themselves did not perform a sacrifice. That was priestly duties. Okay. That's how Saul got in trouble. Saul, he took on priestly duties when it wasn't called for him to do that. The priests were the ones who would would make the sacrifice. They would send up the offering to the Lord. They would do it on behalf of the people. Okay. Again, it says there that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. That was the, the priestly duty to do. Okay, now we today we we don't we don't sacrifice animals to the Lord. Right. We the doors have been open. And and I said this in, in our Sunday school lesson last week. The doors have been open for us to make prayer to the Lord, to make supplication to the Lord. And this is where our intercessor steps in, where, again, we bring our offering of prayer. And our offering of prayer, again, it is not a a killing of an animal. It is not the offering of blood. We offer up the words, not just of our lips, but the words that, that are coming from our heart. And we are offering those words up to the Lord. That is, we are communicating with God, making our supplications known to him. Our intercessor in the role of the high priest will take our offering, those words of our prayers, and will offer them up to the Lord on our behalf. So our high priest, Jesus Christ, in the role of of that high priest, is is standing in as our mediator, our advocate, and our intercessor, carrying mm. our prayer to the Lord. Okay, carrying our offering, offering up our prayer to the Lord. I hope that makes sense for you. Okay. So we'll see here in the second verse where a qualification is made known here uh, about the priest here it says there in the second verse, it says he, the priest can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. So one who served in the priesthood, they should have been compassionate, right? They they should have been compassionate uh, towards all people, but especially towards those who may have been ignorant, not understanding what they were doing, not understanding uh, when they were doing wrong. Okay. The, 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 the priest should have been compassionate for those who were ignorant, not understanding what they were doing. And also those who were going astray, those who were sinning. So the priest, they were not supposed to look down on anyone, right? The priest, they were supposed to serve all people and it should have been a humble service. Okay, it should have been a, a humble service where they are compassionate, where they love all people, especially those who are coming to them, seeking to communicate with the Lord. Because again, that was their service. That was their role. That was that what they had been ordained to do. And we should understand this. When I say that they were ordained to do this, they were ordained to do this by the Lord. And we know that they were ordained to do this by the Lord, because we can go back to the book of Exodus. And we can see where God called for Aaron and his sons to be ordained, to be consecrated as priests. So the priesthood, it was a service that was ordained by the Lord. And there were laws that we have seen again in the fall quarter that that the, the priests, those who came from Aaron, that they were supposed to follow. There were laws that the children of Israel were supposed to follow. For those that would become priests, that would be of the priesthood. So it was a very significant, it was a very important service, okay, for, for the priests to, to, to be mediators. In order for them to, to be mediators, in order for them to intercede on the behalf of all those that were around them, they they could not be selfish. They could not just simply think of themselves and themselves only. They had to be compassionate. For all of those that were around them, those who may have been ignorant to what they were doing and those who had gone astray as well. Okay, so again, that second verse in its entirety, it says he, the priest, can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. So, again, the the priest, those who are of the flesh and served in the priesthood, they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect at all, which is, again, why they should have been compassionate for all of those that were around them, because they too themselves were with sin as well. And so they should have been been understanding. Okay, and so we'll see here in the third verse, the third verse then goes on to say, because of this, because he's also subject, the priest is also subject to weakness. He is required, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. So that again touches on the thought that the priest and they they offered up offerings for the people that were around them. And we've seen those offerings. We went over those offerings quite a bit uh, in the fall quarter, the burnt offerings, right? The atonement offering, the day of atonement, right? Uh, we, we saw the peace offerings. We, we we learned about all of those different offerings and the priests themselves, they weren't perfect. And because they weren't perfect, they too had to make sacrifice. They had to make an offering to the Lord. Okay. And so again, they should have been compassionate uh, in that service. The fourth verse, because it's right there, it fits right in with this passage of scripture from the first to the fourth verse there in the fifth chapter it says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So just like I had mentioned, uh, the priesthood was a service that was ordained by the Lord. And again, it was set in place that in order for one who's a child, uh, one who's a child of Israel, they had to be a seat of Aaron. And Aaron himself was a Levite. So essentially one who is a Levite. And came through the seed of Aaron they could take up the priesthood they could take up that service of of being the high priest okay so that's again we see the qualifications here for uh the priesthood the high priesthood being a high priest right and and, and again we see that it was a service that was ordained by the Lord okay and we seen that it was a service that should have been one of compassion one where Someone wasn't being selfish, where one where someone wasn't looking down on another it was a service of of humility, a humble service, okay to serve the people and to serve the Lord as well so something comes to mind here, okay, to where when we look at that fourteen verse and we're told there that we have a great high priest in Jesus the Son of God, something comes to mind as to. Well, who ordained Jesus, who, who, who called for Jesus to be the high priest? Well, we, we already have an answer to that question, right? The answer to that question. Okay. Would be God because it's, we're again told there in the fourth verse there in the fifth chapter says, and and no man takes this honor to himself. No one could make themselves a priest. No one could make themselves the high priest, but he who is called by God. Okay. So we'll see that answer as well when we get down to the fifth verse. But I do want to touch back on, I want to go back to the fourth chapter and I want to look at the 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 15th verse and I want to look at, want to look at the 16th verse as well. Because again, we, we've gone over the qualifications for the priesthood and, and one to be the high priest, right? And, and we've seen in the 14th verse in the fourth chapter that again, we have a great high priest and we know that that high priest is Jesus Christ. But look here at what is said here in the 15th verse about our high priest, because I think that this 15th verse, it stands out a lot for us here. We're told here in the 15th verse, it says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. This verse here to me, okay, says a lot about the high priest that we have in Jesus Christ. When we think about the day of Jesus, right, and think about the chief priest and how antagonistic the chief priests were to Jesus Christ. there, there, There seemed to be a lack of love, a lack of compassion. When you look at how Jesus spoke about the religious leaders of the days in which he walked the earth, where they were not doing right by the people. They, they, they moved in a manner to religious leaders. They moved in a manner to where they essentially looked down on all those that were around them. When Jesus would go in and when he would sit with sinners, the, the religious leaders would scoff at him and they would antagonize him for sitting down with sinners. Which was, again, as we've seen from the fifth chapter, the first through the fourth verse was a service in which they should have been doing themselves. They should have been serving the people, right? Not just the select few people, but all those that were around them, they should have been serving. But during the days of Jesus, the religious leaders were looking down on, on, on those who, in their mind, weren't religious. But here we are today. Our great high priest in Jesus is not that way. Jesus, yes, he sits high and looks low. But he doesn't think little of us. I hope that makes a lot of sense to you. The Lord, our God, our creator, does not think little of you. We are again told there in the 15th verse that we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Understands. That's what to sympathize means. Our high priest gets us. Our high priest understands us understands what you and I go through how does Jesus how does Jesus know how does Jesus understand how does Jesus get what we go through well we have to remember again Jesus God in the flesh was in this world and so living in the flesh we have a high priest who understands exactly what we go through understands being heavy laden and burdened right under understands uh, going through grief going through suffering right Jesus he grieved when when Lazarus died right uh, he was pained he, when 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 Mary and Martha came to him and, and was frustrated that he wasn't there with them to save Lazarus It is believed that Joseph Jesus earthly dad passed away uh, when he was young and he was left to, to care for Mary his mother. So he understands, again, grief. He understands aches. He understands pains. He understands uh, going hungry. He understands uh, being thirsty, right? He understands what we go through in being tempted uh, by, by wickedness and evil. He was tempted by the devil, right? We recall that, uh, that scripture. So Jesus, he gets us. He understands that what we go through on our journey. He understands how life can be. He understands how when it seems like we're riding on our highest of highs, that boom, the next second we can be at our lowest of lows. He gets what we go through. And so because Jesus understands us, because he gets what we go through, he is compassionate towards us. He sympathizes with us. He does not frown upon us. He does not look down at us. He does not scoff at us. God doesn't scoff at you. And I I don't think I mentioned it in my recording last week, but there are many people. For example, we were talking about forgiveness and new life last week. There are many people who don't think that they are worthy of forgiveness. They look at their sins and they see that their sins and their mind are great. But as Jesus did with the woman who the religious leaders brought to him to to stone, Jesus, he forgave her and told her to sin no more. And Jesus said that quite a bit. Very, again, very compassionate. Jesus was very compassionate, not just for those who would listen to him, not just for those who would follow around with him, those who sat at his feet. No, he wasn't just compassionate to them. He was compassionate for the sinners as well. He had to be, right? Because again, God loved the world and he gave the world his only begotten son to die for our sins. He had to be compassionate. Okay. So we, again, we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, that understands exactly what we are going through. And and in that, he sympathizes with what we go through. You and I, we don't have to be afraid to go to him. Jesus is there to serve on our behalf as our high priest. We don't have to be afraid to to go to him when we need to speak to the Lord, when we need help, when we need his assistance, when we may need comforting, when we just want to smile again, when we want to feel good about something, right? When we have messed up, when we have done wrong, we don't have to be afraid to go to him. We should be comforted. We should be comfortable in in going to him because he sympathizes with us. He understands what we go through. And we're told there in the 16th verse, there in the fourth chapter says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Grace is love. Okay. That is love. That unconditional love. Jesus sits on a throne of love, not a throne of, of hate, Right. Not a throne of superiority, but a throne of grace. We don't have to be afraid to go to that throne. We don't have to be afraid to to approach that throne. So the writer of Hebrews said it best. Let us go boldly before that throne. Let us be confident when we go to that throne that Jesus is not going to look down on us. And if we walk in that confidence, then we are comfortable. In going to Jesus and going to our great high priest and going to our mediator, the one who's going to intercede on our behalf before the Lord. Okay. All right. So now we're going to skip on back to the fifth chapter and we're going to look here at the fifth verse and we'll see it say there in the fifth verse, who it is again, that called Jesus to be the great high priest. Okay. Who again, ordained Jesus to be the The our great high priest. We're told here in the fifth verse, it says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. Okay, that's exactly what was said there in the first verse as well. Every high priest taken from among men is appointed. Is appointed for men in these in things pertaining to God. Aaron was ordained by the Lord to be the high priest. Aaron did not make himself high priest. I don't even know if Aaron had it in his mind to to be high priest, even though he was actually already doing priest priestly things. I don't think Aaron had it in his mind. But God went to Moses and told Moses that he was going to ordain and consecrate Aaron and his sons to be priests and for Aaron to be the high priest. God ordained it. So the same here for for Jesus. Jesus was called he was made priest not by himself, the son didn't make himself priest, okay? We are told, it says here, it says, it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So it was the father that ordained the son to be our great high priest. It was the father that said when Jesus was baptized, that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That was the father that said that. And that's what is quoted there in that fifth verse. Okay. It says there again in that fifth verse that Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Who said that? The father. Okay. It was the father that had said that. We would then see the writer of Hebrews then follow up there in the sixth verse here in the fifth chapter of Hebrews by saying, as he also says in another place. So this is again, the father, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, that is Melchizedek. Now this is said, what we see here in the sixth verse, it is said, and it is being quoted from the 110th Psalm and the fourth verse where it is mentioned how the father had said that the son was to be priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And this again is something that you can actually find prophesied about, spoken about in the book of Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, the sixth chapter, verses 12 and 13, you'll see where it is stated there that he, the son, shall build the temple of the Lord. That sounds very familiar to what we saw being discussed and what we learned in the month of December about the son, where again, there in the sixth chapter of Zechariah, the 12 and the 13 verses says that he, the son shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. He shall be a priest on his throne. We will see it say there, and a council of peace shall be between them both. So it was already set in place. It was foreordained, if you will, that, that Jesus, the son, would be the high priest, and again, we will see it there say, there uh, to the order of Melchizedek. So, this Melchizedek is someone who is very significant for us in our lesson today, and he's one who is a mystery uh, we find in scripture. I feel like we need to discuss who Melchizedek is uh, so that we can actually understand what is meant here, where the father is saying of the son. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We need to understand who Melchizedek is so that we can understand why Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek here. So, in order for us to understand who Melchizedek is, we must turn over to the 14th chapter of Genesis. And there's a passage of scripture in the 14th chapter of Genesis where Melchizedek appears for us. If we look at the 18th through the 24th verse, and I'm not going to go over every single verse there, but again, for you to read it for yourself. You can read again from the 14th chapter of Genesis from the 18th through the 24th verse, where this person, Melchizedek, is introduced to us in scripture. We are told that Melchizedek was king of Salem, and Melchizedek being King of Salem, he brought out bread and wine. Uh, and we are told there in the 18th verse that he was also the priest of God most high. This is very interesting here. So I drop you off here in this passage of scripture from the 18th through the 24th verse here in the 14th chapter of Genesis, after something had happened, uh, what had happened was, uh, Abraham uh, he This was at the time where he was known as Abram. He had to go and rescue Lot and many others that had been carried away by five other kings who had essentially attacked the land. And again, like I said, he took away that those kings took away people back with them uh, to their land. Abraham, he went off to rescue those people and he went up against those five kings, even though it seemed like it was an impossible task for him to do. He went up against those five kings. He had the victory and he returned with lot in all those who had been taken away uh, by those five kings. And so Melchizedek, uh, who again was king of Salem, Salem, as it is mentioned there in the 18th verse, I want you to understand that this place, Salem, that we see there, it turned into Jerusalem. (laughs) This is an early mention of Jerusalem. At that time, it was only known as, as Salem. Okay. So Melchizedek was serving in that place. We have to remember, okay, that Abraham was sent to dwell into the land which became the promised land. It was the land of promise, okay? So we see Melchizedek, he was king there, and he was also a priest of God. This point is very fascinating because this is well before any of the tribes of Israel. This is well before. Uh, Jacob himself, who was later named Israel, to where this man is serving as a priest of God, the Most High. So I want you to understand this very clearly, what I'm stating here. This came before Israel, Jacob, right? This came before the children of Israel. What this means is that this came, Melchizedek was a priest of God before Moses was even around. So Melchizedek was a priest of God before God had even given the children of Israel the law. The law, for man anyway, was not in sight just yet. Uh, The the, the idea of their even being priest to the Lord. Okay, but before we get to this scripture, we, we really don't see anything about that. Okay, we, we have to remember everything that we've seen in scripture before this point in time, when we get to the 14th chapter of Genesis, essentially dealt with, with man and his wickedness, mankind's wickedness, mankind's uh, nature of standing in opposition against the Lord, right? Uh, there there was the Tower of Babel, okay? There was the, the Great Flood, okay? And, and, and now here we are, we get to a, a person in Abram or Abraham who would finally listened to the Lord. When God told him to, to take up and, and go to this land of promise, Abraham did it. And, and, and he was a man who, again, was blessed and highly favored. And I would say that he was blessed and highly favored because he, he was in fellowship with the Lord, Abraham was. okay, But we can see here that he was not the only one, because here is one who was serving the Lord on behalf of people in Melchizedek who was the priest of the Most High. So what is most interesting about Melchizedek is that he was a priest outside of the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law wasn't in sight yet. The Mosaic Law, it was not a thing yet. But Melchizedek was serving as a priest of God without a law to tell him what to do. Melchizedek, I want you to understand, as we've already seen in our Sunday school lesson this week, he didn't make himself a priest of God. He can't do that. No man can do that. So who was it that that made Melchizedek a priest? It was God. God was the one who called him. God was the one who ordained him. Okay. And we find that, that Melchizedek, was outside of the order of of Aaron. It was outside of the order of the Levites, right? Because again, Aaron was the one, him and his sons were were ordained and consecrated to be priests. And, and those who were going to be a high priest had to come through that lineage. And those who were of the priesthood essentially were Levites. But Melchizedek, he was not of the blood of Israel. He was not of the blood of Jacob. He was not of the blood of Abraham. And so this is the one of the most interesting things that people that we find in Scripture is Melchizedek. He 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 literally just pops up out of nowhere for us. Melchizedek he doesn't we don't have a birthplace for him. Okay, we don't even see his death mentioned in Scripture. He just he comes out of nowhere. He comes out, we would say he, come, he came out of left field, okay? He came out of nowhere and he went back, okay? We, we, like, we, we don't have an ending for him. No, he was not the pre-incarnate Christ, okay? He did have a beginning and he did have an end. He was just a man, okay? Christ, we can't say that he popped out of nowhere. We know exactly where Christ came from, even though we don't know his birthday, Okay. We know exactly where he came from. Okay. But he is of the order of Melchizedek because he is outside of the order of Aaron. When it comes to being a high priest, Jesus was also not a Levite. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. We know that Jesus was of the tribe of Judah because again, his mother was of the house of David. Right. we that, that circles us all the way back around to the third lesson of this quarter. OK, so we, we know that Jesus was not a Levite. We know that he was not through the he did not come through the lineage of Aaron. He came through the lineage of, of David. OK, so he belongs to not the order of Aaron. But essentially, Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. What that means for us when it comes to Jesus being a high priest is that he he does not he did not fit under the qualifications of the priesthood up under of Aaron and, and the Levites. He was he was a Jew, he was he was of the tribe of Judah. But yet God ordained him to be not just a priest, but he ordained him to be the high priest. Which is again why the Lord, again, elsewhere said all right. And we saw that in the book of Zechariah, right? The sixth chapter to where Jesus will be a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. Okay. And so when we get back to our Sunday school lesson, we'll get back to that scripture. What we'll see here in the seventh verse where it says who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, okay? So again, let's take that sixth and let's take that seventh verse together where it says, and he also says in another place, you, okay, you the son are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his goal, godly fear. We'll take the eighth verse as well it says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So what we read there in the seventh verse and in the eighth verse is speaking of Christ, okay? Christ who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications. He did that when he was in the garden, right? With vehement cries and tears to him, the Father again, Jesus did this in the garden, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Okay, Jesus, he went on to to save us by by getting on the cross, taking up that cup and and dying for us. He again became our our propitiation. Okay. Again, we see it say there in a verse, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience, learned to trust by the things which he suffered. He suffered for you and for me. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The 10th verse, the last verse of our lesson says, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, again, we've we've gone over that portion there uh, about Melchizedek. But I want to talk about Jesus serving in the role of high priest. I want to talk about what happened with Jesus becoming our propitiation, Jesus becoming our atonement offering. And this is shared with us elsewhere in the book of Hebrews. When you go over to the book of Hebrews, okay, and you look at the ninth chapter of Hebrews. All right. We we won't see it written in, in, in this chapter here in the fifth verse of Jesus being our propitiation, of Jesus offering himself up for us as, as our high priest. But when we go over to that ninth chapter of Hebrews and we look at that eleventh verse there, you will see the writer of Hebrews writing and say, Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation. Jesus was coming with, with, again, a purpose. Jesus, he came with a reason. Again, that purpose, that reason was for the the eternal desire of the Lord, where God desired to dwell with with mankind for, for all of eternity. When we look at that 12th verse, you will see that the writer stated there in the 12th verse, there in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, not with the blood of goats and cows, but with his own blood, He, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. On the day of atonement, this was the role of the high priest. The high priest would enter into the most holy place, offer up a sacrifice for himself and his household, as we learned. right, And then would offer up an offering for all the congregation of Israel that would atone for their sins for that year. But the high priest had to do that each and every year that he served in the role of high priest. Jesus, on the other hand, only had to go into the most holy place one time to offer up his blood to cover the sins for all of mankind. All the sins that, that you could commit. Jesus, he offered himself up. He offered up his own blood. To obtain your eternal redemption. To obtain my eternal redemption. And again, he did this only one time. He only had to do it one time. Jesus is never going to enter into the most holy place to offer up another atonement offering for the sins of mankind. You see, Jesus's blood was was enough to cover our sins because Jesus, again, is holy. He's divine. He was without sin. Jesus was perfect. So he was the perfect offering to atone for our sins, becoming sin itself for all of us. All right. We sacrificed him up. Okay, Mankind, we we, we sacrificed him up. And in doing all of that for us, Jesus, again, was serving as our high priest. So you and I, we have a great high priest today. Okay. What we have learned here today that is that we have a great high priest who again stands and speaks on our behalf to the Lord. Okay. We go to him. He is our intercessor. He is our mediator. We go to him with our prayers. And he carries our prayers for us to the Lord. Okay. We again also learned here, and this one is very significant to me. We have a great high priest who gets us. He gets you. He knows what you go through. He understands you. He understands what you face on your journey. Okay. And he doesn't look down on you with superiority. He sympathizes with you. Okay. So we, again, we learned today that we should be comfortable in going to our intercessor. We should be comfortable in going to our great high priest. Making our supplication known so that, again, as was said there in the 16th verse in the 14th chapter, or I'm sorry, the, four, the the fourth chapter, we should go to him so that we can obtain mercy and so that we can find grace in our time of need. Okay all right so that is our sunday school lesson for this week i hope that all of you enjoyed our sunday school lesson this week and i hope that you'll share this lesson with someone somewhere and again i hope that you'll come back for our sunday school lesson next week our sunday school lesson next week will be the last lesson within this unit of lessons which again was titled blessing of the gospel we see here another end result of of the gospel the blessing of the gospel is that jesus is our high priest and we have a wonderful high priest who stands and who speaks on our behalf. All right. So until next time, let us again continue to keep one another lifted up in prayer. You never know what anyone is going through. So certainly be prayerful for all people, not just some people, but all people. And again, let us continue about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So until next time, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I'll pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you i you.